Welcome to episode four of the Buckets Mentality Podcast. This podcast is again brought to you by SeatGeek. $20 off your first purchase. The NBA season is coming up. You can get your tickets to games, concerts, etc. We got the NFL going on. We got the MLB playoffs going on. We got the NBA starting up soon with the preseason. They got games in Honolulu and India right now. So get your tickets uh, for when the players come back to the States. You can see your favorite players and teams in action. Today's episode's all driven by you guys. I did a Q&A this time. You guys asked me questions on Instagram. If you don't follow me on Instagram for some reason, follow me at Bucket Center and follow me on Twitter at Bucket Center One. Uh, you guys can interact with me. You can see my posts, my opinions. That's really where this brand kind of took off on the Instagram platform. I know a lot of you guys are from there. Let's get into it. The first question was top five duos in the league. And I think I've answered this question's numerous times but here for the podcast people LeBron James and Anthony Davis are to me hands down the best duo in the league I know Paul George made his comment about him and Kawhi play both sides of the ball which was kind of a shot at LeBron James and his lack of defensive intensity he doesn't really give consistent effort on the defensive side of the ball as he's aging he doesn't give as much effort or energy on that side of the ball I do think he's going to be playing more inspired defense next to Anthony Davis this year. I'm not saying he's going to be like an all-defensive team caliber player. I'm not going to say he's going to be a defender, the level of a Paul George or a Kawhi Leonard, but, but what he brings to a team on the offensive side of the ball with his scoring and his playmaking, he rebounds the ball very well. He can see the floor. We know what LeBron James is as a basketball player, and even if he is an elite defender, that does not take away from him whatsoever. He's arguably the best basketball player on the planet. So, I mean, calling that a weakness of his, sure, he doesn't give max effort defensively, but what he provides offensively is more than enough. And then you have Anthony Davis, who's a tier one elite defender who can protect the rim. He can go out to the perimeter. He's actually my pick for the defensive player of the year. So they're going to they're gonna be fine on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, Davis is the best big man in the league in terms of scoring. Uh, the basketball and just overall in terms of his game um, and LeBron, we already know what he does uh, on the offensive side of the ball. So they're my number one. Kawhi and Paul George are my number two. I don't even think it's close. I don't even think they're in the same tier because AD, as, as I think I've said in a previous podcast, is just so much better than Paul George that they're not even near the same level, even if you want to argue LeBron and Kawhi. So Kawhi and PG are number two for me. And Paul George is a lot better as a second option than he would be as a number one option. I do like the fit, them going to the Clippers. Doc Rivers has been really good at utilizing wing players. They got a lot of depth and stuff there, so I'm going to put them at number two. If they were healthy, I would have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving third. Um, Obviously, KV coming off an Achilles injury. We don't know what he's going to be, but if KD was fully healthy with the Kyrie Irving, two superstars, two assassins, two killers in terms of being the best scorers at their position in the league, Um, just one-on-one hoopers. Um, Kyrie can play make, and KD can a little bit too, but it's not really their natural strong suit. They're both great closers, uh, and they're both going to take it to you in a one-on-one setting. They're both extremely efficient from anywhere on the floor, and they both hit big-time shots on the biggest stage. Uh, Then you got Steph Curry and Klay Thompson at number four. Clay's the first and only 
non-superstar on this list, but he's the best non-superstar in basketball. I think he's really close to a superstar. He's really close to Russell Westbrook, who I have as the worst superstar in the league. Uh, Clay's pretty close to him as a talent. He's a great compliment to Steph Curry. We already know that with his defense, with his shooting. He's actually underrated in terms of off-the-dribble scoring. He can get super hot, uh, and he's super clutch. And Clay Thompson, obviously, is out for a good portion of the season with the ACL. But once he gets back, and we're expecting him to be anywhere near the level that he was before, it's still a hell of a duo. You got Steph Curry, obviously, unanimous MVP. They're talking about a dude that's the greatest shooter of all time, revolutionized the game. We know how great Steph Curry is, so they got to be on this list. And then at five, I've got Harden and Russell Westbrook. These are two MVPs on the same team. Obviously, Russell Westbrook's not quite the same player that he was when he won that MVP, but he's still really, really good. And then James Harden just averaged, what was it, 35, 36 points a game last season, and we know what he can do as a playmaker. They're the most awkward fit out of the group in terms of them both being extremely ball dominant and not very good at playing off the ball, so we'll see how that works. LeBron and AD are just perfect complements for each other, all the weaknesses that AD has or LeBron's strengths and vice versa. Kawhi and Paul George basically do the same thing out there on the floor. Kawhi is just a little bit more efficient at doing it, and he's been better at leading a team as the number one option. And then KD and Kyrie are pretty damn similar as well, but their play styles, they can fit off of each other. And then obviously Steph and Clay have a great fit. So Harden and Russ, although they're both great individual talents, they just their fit isn't quite at the level of those top four, and their talent really isn't up the level of those top four. So that's why I've got Harden and Russ at five. And speaking of Harden and Russ, the next question asks, how will the Westbrook-Harden pairing work? And I think it's going to yield tremendous success in the regular season because these guys go out in the regular season. They go all out in the regular season. Russell Westbrook has averaged a triple-double for three straight regular seasons. James Harden has been in the MVP conversation for a while now, multiple seasons in a row. So yeah, they're going to be great in the regular season. They've got the shooters. They got the Dan Tony system, which is also excellent in the regular season. But in the playoffs, I just don't see this working out in the playoffs. I can see them winning a round in the playoffs, but that's about it. Uh, if they're very lucky winning a round, depending on who they match up with, I don't see them beating the Golden State Warriors at full strength with Klay Thompson in the best out of seven. I don't see them beating either team in LA. At best, they could beat potentially a team like the Utah Jazz or the Denver Nuggets, but I wouldn't even feel comfortable and confident in saying that they would beat those teams uh, in a best out of seven series. The only teams I'd say they could definitely beat in the seven game series would be the Portland Trailblazers, but don't sleep on Dane and don't sleep on CJ. And then potentially they could beat the San Antonio Spurs. Next question. What is your finals prediction? I'm going Clippers over Bucks. And I said this in a previous podcast episode. I think the Los Angeles Clippers are the best team in the NBA. Uh, they have arguably the best player in the NBA in Kawhi Leonard and what he did last year. They got Paul George. They got the depth with Montrez Harrell. They got Lou Williams. They got Shamit, Beverly. They're just so deep. They're so well coached. They're the best team. They're clearly the favorites to win it all. And then Milwaukee's got a squad as well with Giannis. They got Middleton. Um, they've got Coach Budenholzer. They've got some depth of their own. But at the end of the day, in the rematch of Kawhi versus Giannis, 
I think we know what Kawhi has been able to do head-to-head against Giannis, but it's not really going to even come down to that. Even if Giannis outplays Kawhi in the finals, Kawhi just has way more help around him. With a guy in Paul George that simply is just so much better than Chris Milton, it's not even close. They have the coaching advantage. They have the depth advantage. Pretty much every single advantage goes to the Los Angeles Clippers in that series. I think the Bucs can make it competitive, but at the end of the day, I'm going to take the Clippers. I would not be surprised, though, if either the Sixers or the Lakers are in the finals. Those are the other teams I could see making the finals. Um, and, and I could see most often it's going to be the Western team come on top, especially when you see how stacked the West is. Um, but maybe it's a situation where all these grueling rounds of the playoffs really get to them and they're super tired, super beat up going into the NBA finals. Kind of like last year with Golden State. Uh, they were so injured and banged up going into the finals that Toronto was able to capitalize on that and win the championship, not taking away anything from Toronto. But we all know if the Golden State Warriors were healthy, they would have won the championship. They were clearly the best team in the NBA. They came out of the tougher conference. Um, but I, I don't know if we're going to get a situation like that this year. I just think the Western team, it's going to be a team from Los Angeles, in my opinion, and whichever team wins the Western Conference Finals are going to essentially win the NBA Finals because that's essentially the finals right there. Um, but I got Clippers over Bucks. Uh, my heart wants to say Lakers, um, but, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what their squad's looking like. Uh, I'm going to rule with the Clippers for now. Someone asked me my sleeper teams. The Golden State Warriors are at the top of that list. I mean, you got a team that's being counted out with four All-Stars and an MVP that's still in, in the prime of his career even though he's getting up there in age a little bit, which is crazy to say for Steph Curry. Um, but you got Klay Thompson. If he's going to be the same player coming off the ACL, you got Draymond. You got D'Angelo Russell, I think, is a great fit in the backcourt. He can handle the ball. They can run more pick and roll for him. Steph can still play some off ball and play on the ball. So and they can both shoot the ball from behind the arc. So I think it's a great fit. Their depth is a little bit of a concern. Their backcourt defensively is a little bit of a concern, and they will struggle in the regular season. But in the playoffs, that's just a team I don't want to go up against in a best-out-of-seven series. And I could see them winning two rounds in the playoffs. I don't think they can go to the NBA Finals, um, but I think they could win two rounds in the playoffs. And I wouldn't be like it wouldn't be the craziest thing if they went to the NBA Finals because you do again have four All Stars. You have an MVP. You have a dude that's in the conversation for the best basketball player on the planet. As much as these analysts and these these players and stuff don't really want to give Steph Curry the full respect he deserves, I mean, he is in that conversation for the best basketball player on the planet. He revolutionized the game of modern basketball. So we got to give him his ups and respect for that. The Utah Jazz are my second team, kind of sleeper team. I mean, they have a really solid squad. I think a lot of people realize that, but I don't think they realize how good this team is going to be, at least in the regular season. I think they're going to be the three seed in the Western Conference. They're going to be really good defensively. Again, Rudy Gobert is a back-to-back defensive player of the year. They added Mike Conley. You could shoot and score the basketball. Huge upgrade over Ricky Rubio. They got a guy in Bojan Bogdanovic who's a leading scorer for a Pacers playoff team. He can shoot the hell out of the basketball. That closing lineup is going to be absolutely insane with the shooters that they've got. Donovan Mitchell should take another year to improve. Um, They're going to be really formidable, scary first-round team. Even if they don't make it out of the first round, I still think they're going to push a team to six or seven games. And I could see them winning a round or two in the playoffs, depending on how the whole bracket 
plays out in the matchup. So I think Utah is going to be in that mix. The Indiana Pacers are another team I would look out for, man. TJ Warren was an underrated addition. Jeremy Lamb, Malcolm Brogdon, and then when Old Depot gets back, you got Turner and Sabonis. I really think the Pacers are going to be the third best team in the Eastern Conference. I don't think people are talking about them enough. I know a lot of people are on the whole Boston Celtics thing. I think the Boston Celtics are going to be the third best team. They think they could potentially knock out Philly or Milwaukee. I think that team is the Indiana Pacers. Uh, I think they're going to make some noise. As long as Oladipo is anywhere near the same player that he was before his injury, they've got all the perfect pieces in place. I really like what Brogdon brings to the table in terms of his value. That's a 40-50-90 guy. And TJ Warren does his role really well. Uh, Jeremy Lamb's another guy that can come in and put the ball in the basket. They're going to be good defensively. They're well-coached, and they're pretty damn deep. So I really like this squad. Um, That's my third sleeper team. At four, I've got the Brooklyn Nets. And even without KD, I'd expect KD to miss the entire year. But they still have Kyrie Irving. They they have Karis LeVert. They have Joe Harris. Um, They have Spencer Dewitty, who's my pick for sixth man of the year. They got Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan. This is a squad that has some depth to it. They've got guys, they've got young guys that know their role. They're not going to get in the way of what Kyrie Irving's trying to do. They can score, don't get me wrong. They can shoot the hell out of the basketball. They can impact the game, but they don't have the egos, the chips on their shoulder. They're not going to do a lot of ISO and, and breaking it down and getting away from what the team is trying to do, which is with guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were kind of doing, and they had a big heads after going to the Eastern Conference Finals without Kyrie Irving. They were ready. They were told by the fan base, by everyone, that it was their moment and that they're ready for this stage and, and they have number three overall pick. And, and they were super hyped up. And it's not quite the same with the Brooklyn Nets who kind of had to work for their, their stripes and their place in this league. They haven't had as much postseason success. They're looking at Kyrie Irving as the guy that has – won a championship and played a big role in that championship. And they're going to defer to him more. I think that's going to yield a lot of success for the Brooklyn Nets as a round of four or five seed and potentially could pull off an upset and win a round of the playoffs, uh, depending on who they match up with. And then the last team I have is the Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler. I know we got a lot of flack for how everything worked out in Minnesota. And I know people think they're overrated, especially in Philadelphia, the Sixers fans despise that Jimmy Butler went to Miami and they just think he's done with winning now that he's in Miami. He just went there for the damn beaches. But no, the culture is really great down there. Eric Spolster is a hell of a head coach. Uh, Jimmy Butler is a great leader. He's motivated. We've already seen so far uh, in training camp, he's really had a good positive effect on this team. They're coming in early, two, three in the morning for workouts. They're getting ready to go. And they have the right surrounding pieces around Jimmy Butler to be a solid playoff team and potentially pull off an upset in the first round of the playoffs. I doubt they pull off the upset, but, I mean, they're going to be in the playoffs for sure. And a lot of people are counting out that team to make the playoffs. I definitely think they're going to be like a seven seed uh, in the Eastern Conference. The last, next question asks, reasonable accomplishments LeBron can have to finish his career? And this is a really interesting one because – as you know, a lot of people who care about the all-time ranking and stuff call LeBron James the greatest basketball player of all time. And he, he certainly has that resume. He certainly has the talent. And he certainly should be in that discussion if you want to have that discussion right now. He doesn't even need any other accolades or anything. If he retired tomorrow, he would be in that conversation. 
But these are a couple of things that I jotted down that he could actually accomplish to finish off his career, which would make his resume that much stronger. They're realistic accomplishments. And this dude, we know he's in year 17, but he still has a chance to accomplish these things. And that would be an NBA championship with the Los Angeles Lakers, not necessarily having to be this year. It could either be this year or next year. Um, finals MVP, if the Lakers win. All-time leading scorer in the history of the game. This is a guy whose best attribute is his playmaking, not his score. Okay? But he can score the hell out of the basketball. We know that. So him being the all-time league score would be crazy. He's already passed Jordan on the all-time scoring list. He's set to pass Kobe this year on the all-time scoring list. He could really be the all-time leading scorer. He could eclipse 40,000 career points potentially, which would be absolutely insane. He could also finish top five in assists. He's so far the highest non-point guard on the all-time assist list. And we know he's kind of been like he's – like I have my different position breakdowns. He's a play initiator to me. So he's kind of been like the de facto point guard, just being like 6'9 his entire career. Um, like basically like what Magic Johnson was. Like I, I don't really see how you can classify them as different positions. They kind of really had similar roles on their teams. But regardless, LeBron James being on the assist list and the scoring list is extremely impressive. But those are just four things he could do. And you look at him, he would be – okay, this guy won a championship and a finals MVP in three different spots. People said he was only winning because he was in the Eastern Conference or whatever they wanted to say. And then he wins a championship in the the Western Conference. uh, And he does it in Los Angeles in a big market with the Lakers, gives him banner number 17. That would be crazy for his legacy. Um, And then we already know the individual accolades and the counting numbers and just how dominant that would be. We already know his longevity. He could, he could play for five, six, maybe even potentially seven more years, which is crazy. Not at, not at the same level. He's probably got like a year, hopefully, maybe even two. Um, but, but I mean, he's still going to be in the league for a very long time. So that's uh, those are some realistic goals that he can accomplish. Next question asks for my tiers of championship contenders. And here's how I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you my three tiers. Then we're going to talk a little bit about these closing lineups to finish off the podcast. Uh, so basically, tier one to me, as I've said countless, countless times, a lot of people say there's parity in the league this year. Yes, it's true to extend every team like at the top really has like two stars. We got the duos and everything like that. There's no complete juggernaut like Golden State at that level, but there obviously are still the favorites. They're obviously still only a handful of teams that can realistically win a championship. And these are my eight teams. Tier one, I got the Clippers and the Lakers, right? The two LA teams. Tier two, I've got the Bucks, the Warriors, and the Sixers. And then tier three, I got the Rockets, the Nuggets, and the Jazz. Those are really the only eight teams I can see. And the tier three is an absolute stretch. In reality, we're talking about the Clippers, the Lakers, the Bucks, the Warriors, and the Sixers. Okay. Those last three teams are, are kind of like. they have like maybe a 1% chance to win the championship. Like they're, they're really on the outside looking in, but any team that's not in in that eight, like I would be super, super shocked. Like I'd give them no chance to win a championship uh, this season. Um, We've already talked about the Clippers and the Lakers immensely, but looking at these closing lineups, okay, for the Clippers, you're going to have Lou Williams, Pat Bev, you're going to have Kawhi, Paul George, and Montrez Harrell. That lineup provides you with three elite wing defenders. 
You've got a playmaker and shot creator in Lou Williams, and you've got a solid undersized big man, but he gives a lot of effort, has a lot of energy in Montrez Harrell. Um, that's that's going to be a scary closing lineup, probably the best closing lineup in the entire NBA, and definitely among that short list if you don't think they're at number one. The Lakers closing lineup, you have LeBron James. I'm going with Avery Bradley. There's been a lot of good signs from Avery Bradley, apparently, in training camp with his defensive intensity. I just think you have a guy that can shoot the ball from behind the arc, and he can also play good defense. Just put him alongside LeBron. Have Danny Green alongside him, too. Kyle Kuzma. And then you have Le- uh, LeBron, basically your play initiator, running point guard. And then AD's your center. I mean, you're talking about the best big man and the best play initiator in the game. <laughs> and then you surround them with guys that can – two shooters – three and D guys, and then Kyle Kuzma, a guy that can fill it up and score anywhere between 16 and 18 points a game. So I, I think that's their probably most effective closing lineup. Um, Milwaukee would have Giannis, and then probably surround him with shooters as well. You know Brooke Lopez is going to be in that group, Chris Middleton. And you can either have Eric Bledsoe, Pat Connington, Wesley Matthews, or Ursan Ilyasova. Like if you're trying to go for just a shooting lineup around Giannis, you go Ursan, Brooke, Chris, Wesley, and then Giannis. Or you could have Bledsoe run the point, and then you have Matthews, Giannis, Middleton, and Lopez. Or you could put in Connington in there too because Connington's a really solid piece for them off the bench. Then the Golden State Warriors, we know what they're going to be. Basically, they're four all-stars, Steph, D'Lo, Clay, Draymond, and then Kevon Looney. The Sixers are going to run with their starting lineup to close the game. Simmons, Jay Rich, Harris, Horford, and Embiid. My one question for the Sixers is who's going to be the guy that takes that last shot down the stretch? Who's going to be the guy that just put the ball in his hands, go out there and give me a bucket? Uh, I mean, you can try to post up Joel Embiid, and and maybe Tobias Harris can can make some shots, but they don't really have the true closer that they lost in Jimmy Butler. So it's going to be interesting to see them figure that out. For the Bucks, I mean – they Chris Middleton's usually the guy that takes big time shots down the stretch, but Giannis can evolve into that guy too. And he has closed some games, although Ryan Hollis may not want to admit it. He, he has the ability, uh, at least to be aggressive, to get downhill, to make things happen in penetration. He used to be a little bit better with his decision making, but I mean, he, he has the right ideas. Maybe Simmons can take that kind of role and be more aggressive and get downhill and at least make things happen. You don't always to be a closer and be a guy that you can trust to take you home down the stretch. You don't always have to be taking the shot. Just make the right basketball play. That's the thing LeBron James has been doing his entire career. Ben Simmons and Giannis for their elevation uh, or evolution, uh, I should say, uh, at the next level, it's going to be to make those decisions and, and take the team home down the stretch. They would hope for Simmons to be that guy. With the Rockets, they got Westbrook, Harden, Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, and Clint Capella. It's a solid squad, a little bit undersized. I mean, Tucker's already undersized as a four, but he can kind of handle that in the modern NBA. The Eric Gordon's like, what, 6'4", running your small forward in that closing lineup. Yes, he can shoot and score the ball, um, but I wonder how that defense is going to look. I mean, Westbrook is a solid point guard defender when he's engaged. Tucker can defend. Capella can defend the rim. Harden's been better at defense. So, I mean, they're going to be all right defensively, uh, but they're not going to be anywhere near the above, like elite level um, defense. And then the Nuggets, you got Gary Harris, 
Uh, you got Jamal Murray, Torrey Craig, or Michael Porter Jr., depending on how Michael Porter Jr. plays, how healthy he can be. I really like his game. I think the Nuggets would be better off if Michael Porter Jr. could be a part of that closing lineup and be a go-to scorer for them. Paul Millsap and Nikola Jokic. We already know how good Nikola Jokic is. Um, and then Utah. They've got a great closing lineup. Conley, Mitchell, Ingles, Bojan Bogdanovic, and Rudy Gobert. You got the perfect complement to their great defense. They finally upgraded the offense. They finally got some more shooting. It's not going to all be on Donovan Mitchell uh, down the stretch of games. Just take them home. So I'm really excited for the NBA. I think there's eight contenders really, and it's really probably the championship. Lombardi Trophy will be residing in Los Angeles and Staples Center, either with the Los Angeles Clippers or the Lakers. Really enjoyed this Q&A, a little bit of a longer podcast episode. We're going to be ranting uh, in the future as the NBA season gets started, as games get started, and I'm going to be coming on here and ranting after games. We're going to have a lot more content coming for you on the way. Finally on Apple Podcasts. Appreciate the love. I'm out. Peace.